Welcome to the Cool Tools Show. I'm Mark Frauenfelder, Editor-in-Chief of Cool Tools, a website of tool recommendations written by our readers. You can find us at cool-tools.org. I'm joined by my co-host, Kevin Kelly, founder of Cool Tools. Hey, Kevin. Hey, it's great to be here. In each episode of the Cool Tools Show, Kevin and I talk to a guest about some of his or her favorite uncommon and uncommonly good tools they think others should know about. Our guest this week is Austin Cleon. Austin is the author of Steal Like an Artist and other bestsellers about creativity. His books have been translated into dozens of languages and have sold over a million copies worldwide. He lives in Austin, Texas, with his wife and two sons. And that's always been like a thing. I've been thinking like, I have always imagined you as living in Austin, but then I'm like, no, that can't be right. I'm just like inflating his name. <laughs> but you do. <laughs> I, I'm, you know, the older I get, the more I believe in nominal determinism. I, I really, because I know yeah. like, like I know lots of walkers who like to walk. <laughs> you know? Yeah. 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 My well, mark is, is a real mark. <laughs> yeah, yeah. My, my daughter's dentist is Dr. Toth. T O T H. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so, so um, yeah, no, I always say, you know, my mom just wishes she had named me Cincinnati, you know, <laughs> so I had to stay closer. <laughs> well, anyway, Austin, um, we're so delighted that you're joining us. We're fans of your work. And I only recently discovered that you actually are a tool maven. And so we are really interested in hearing um, what you want to share with our listeners. Well, I'm delighted, and I think we have a mutual appreciation society today. So I'm I've been looking forward to this. Cool. T- tell Great. us about your waterproof waterproof notebooks. So, in the history of Austin, Texas, there has never been a worse time to put in a pool. Um, <laughs> it's always been kind of a stupid idea to put a pool in, um, but this is historically the worst time to put in a pool and because of, we, because of drought. You mean a couple of things? Uh, there was a huge Texas storm uh, this this um, this February that destroyed a lot of equipment um, due to the pandemic. Uh, everyone wants a pool, um, so you have absurdly high demand and really low supply so the supply chain is all messed up so it's been a nightmare but our pool is finished (laughs) and so the thing (laughs) the tool i love the most other than the the pool itself is i am nuts about these waterproof notebooks that i found so the first brand is there's a there's a thing called aqua notes and um this comes in like a pad with suction uh, cups on the back. I keep one of those in the shower because I'm one of those really um, cliche people who gets ideas in the shower. <laughs> um, I've been told I'm a Pisces. I think it's my moon sign or something. But anyway, I don't know if you're into that. So anyway, so water, though, seems to be a thing that really like brings the ideas. So I have this Aqua Notes that... Um, I think my wife bought these for me, but I, so we have this aqua notes pad up in the shower, mm-hmm. but then for the pool, I discovered this brand of notebooks called right in the rain. So it's R I T E in the rain. And I believe these are mostly used by like naturalists and outdoors people. I've usually referred to myself as an indoorsman. Um, <laughs> so, so, uh, so yeah, so, so I keep, um, I keep this pad out, uh, on the side of the pool. And when my kids get really, really bad in the pool, 
uh, I we stop and I'll either draw a comic of them in the notebook uh, or we'll do a pool poem together. So I'll say, okay, I need an A word. I need a B word. I need a C word. And we'll make a poem out of it. So, you know, I'm a big believer that, you know, making space is a way to kind of invite creative stuff. And so I literally think the dumb act of like having a waterproof notebook on the side of the pool actually invites me to like come over and use it for something. Mm -hmm. Right. Just because it's there. Just because it's there. And Mm -hmm. I've, I'm not a I'm not a fantastic swimmer, but I love the water. And I was really inspired by like reading about Oliver Sacks. He used to swim and 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 he would get out and you know drip all over his notebook and scribble. And so I I really wanted um I I, I wanted to have that. And and I don't I just use a plain old pencil because pencil mm-hmm. pretty much write in any condition. Mm-hmm. So okay, yeah, I was going to ask you. So so you don't write with pen. So this this paper will take pencil. And is the idea that you could write when it was like soaking wet or right underwater or, uh, I mean, is there other limits to the waterproofness of it? If it gets real, real wet, like soaking wet, you have to press really, really hard. Okay. Um, and you don't get much, you know, but it will definitely withstand. I've left it outside. Like it'll get dirty. But it won't get like the the it won't wash away the pencil, and that's something I learned a while back about you know because I'm sort of a I don't know like I'm sort of a nut about pens too and pencils, but I'm also I'm also somebody who once I find my thing I'm like content with it you know I'm not mm-hmm. constantly looking for new stuff. But one thing I found out is I used to use flare pens a lot. Those, mm-hmm. um, I forget what the brand is. Those, I think it might Are be they Pilot. Parker? I don't remember what they're called, uh, the, what the brand is, but they're called Flare Pen and they're yeah. felt tip. And I realized too late that they are water-based ink. And so I've put a notebook through the wash before. And that was a really... Um, that's a wake-up call. That's a wake-up call because if you look at it, you look at it and you're like, okay, everything in waterproof is gone, right? but everything in pencil is still there. Yeah. And everything yeah. with a really permanent ink is sort of still there too. So that right, was right. like a big wake-up call. So now, even though I love flares, I can't write with them anymore. Right. One of the, one of the I don't know, I guess it's one of the advantages of getting really old is that um, I realized that um, things I never really thought about um, don't last very long. Like for instance, <laughs> I remember I was sealing up our windows and it had 25 year um, seal. I thought, oh, that's that'll last forever. I'll be dead by that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I, well, it's I've been, been 25 around years. 25 yeah. years have come and gone and they really are starting to need it. And it's like um, the same thing. I did a notebook with flare pens and it wasn't that it got wet. Even just the moisture and air would call it, cause it to fade and you know, kind yeah. of like melt. And so um, at the time, it seemed indelible, um, and it was kind of in the short term, but I pay more attention to the long term now, including like, well, you know, I want 100-year caulking. I don't want 25 years. (laughs) Oh, we just put a metal roof on our house. There you go. You know, and this guy was like, oh, this house will outlast, you know, that roof will outlast the house now or what, you know, whatever he said. Yeah. Um, But, yeah, no, I'm the same way. I mean, I think all the time about – like um when we when we watched the second blade runner i had this thought where i thought you know the real hero of this story 
is paper because <laughs> everything else got wiped out, but anything that was on paper like survived this big crash. So I think about that all the time now. And I think about how many of my heroes, you know, hundreds of years ago, there's still, their notebooks are still around. Like you can still read Thoreau's notebook, you know, right, like right, I, right. I'm, and, and that is something where, you know, I, I just can't let go of my diaries. I just can't. Mm-hmm. They, mm-hmm. they, they exist in the world and, you know, they'll probably a lot, I mean, barring fire yeah. or flood, right. You know, they'll outlast right, right. any computer I have. The only problem I have with my diaries and journals is that I am, am unable to read my handwriting the next hour. <laughs> I, I mean, I literally, I just last night, I made some notes and I looked this morning and I can't read <laughs> what I wrote. It's like my handwriting is just disintegrated completely. And they're kind of scribbles and oh, that person was very earnest, whoever wrote that, but that was me. Um, so I, I guess, you know, penmanship and things like that probably are more important if you have, if you want to think about paper. Um, and I probably need to, um, to practice my penmanship. I, you know, I should probably do a little, get out those practice books and start to, do my O's and whatnot, because otherwise I'm not going to be able to read anything. Well, I mean, I'll tell you, it works. I mean, we're homeschooling the boys right now, and we have all those things. And I did a version of it when I was growing up. I used to copy, uh, I used to copy my favorite musician's handwriting. So <laughs> I love that. Who, who like, was it? Um, first, it was uh, Phil Collins. <laughs> how, how is his handwriting? Oh, it's fantastic. It's the it's that loopy European cursive is oh, completely yeah. different than American yeah, cursive. Yeah, yeah. So, and and I always loved on the actually now that I'm saying this out loud, Phil Collins is probably influenced my books more than a lot of people because I always loved when I was growing up the Phil Collins records had his handwriting on it. And I always thought that was so cool when I was growing up. And I always, so really, if you look at the back of Steel Like an Artist, it looks like an album track list. I mean, it's like 10 things. (laughs) And I feel like that was probably, you know, that was probably where it came from. So it's Phil Collins. And that got really into like Jimi Hendrix's handwriting Mm -hmm. at a certain point. And John Lennon's handwriting is actually a lot like Phil Collins, Mm -hmm. which makes me wonder if there was something about the British educational I'm system sure and how was. they taught it's penmanship. Probably, that's probably the only thing they taught was just pump penmanship. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> so so it's like, so, uh, but I'm a guy who now, like, you know, people ask me, can I get your handwriting as a font? You know, and I'm like, no, get your own damn handwriting. I've worked my whole life for this. <laughs> yeah. My, my favorite handwriting is the way that Japanese high school girls learn how to do like, uh, you know, uh, English characters. Have uh-huh. you seen the writing? Oh, so, I have to see this. It's, it's really great. I mean, is it like with the, I mean the hearts for the dots no, the no, just the just the way that the lettering is is something. There's just something about it that just has a really nice look. But just, but it's you know, all it's, it's all of a style. I mean, they're they're all kind yeah, of really similar. It's all it's all it's all very similar, and it's uh-huh. very clear and it's clean. But there's also something that's kind of warm and expressive about it at the same time. They just, wh- whoever is teaching penmanship to them is like, it's amazing. There's a beautiful uh, video that I posted a while back. I think it's still up. I can send to y'all. But there, it was a, it was a video of a French cursive class, and these kids were all like, they were they were drawing in the air. 
and this really hip looking teacher was like leading them through the these drills. And I thought, this is magic to me. Of course, then I have a friend online who she wrote a whole book about how handwriting doesn't matter. And she was like, well, that's just you, you know, that, but I was like, no, I think there's something really beautiful. And I'm super into this lady. Um, uh, one of my hero cartoonists is this woman named Linda Berry. Oh, yes. I love her. (laughs) Right. So Linda is a great proponent of writing by hand and the power of, of writing by hand. And I'm, probably you know whether she likes it or not i'm one of her disciples um and so i she has influenced me tremendously and so yeah i just really believe in the power of writing by hand but i'm also a guy that types a lot too so yeah yeah so so you're teaching your son's penmanship that's how you began that you were this is one of their homeschooling courses is penmanship yeah well my my son when he was younger grips the pen in this really weird way where like if you made a fist and then you looked and the pencil was sticking out of the fist <laughs> yes. to, the, to the left. That's how he holds his pen still. <laughs> so I'm trying to break him of that. Uh-huh. And so, but I always encouraged him. I never corrected him. Cause I'm, I was like, well, maybe he'll come up. I mean, he used to draw like Picasso. I mean, a lot of kids do, you know, a lot of four-year-olds. Which Picasso? Like the early Picasso or the later <laughs> Picasso? Any <laughs> of them, man. I mean, like, I mean, it was, I mean, he used to draw the way. I mean his his drawings the the drawings he was able to get out of that weird uh grip were so gorgeous. He used to, he's a he's a big music freak like me and so he used to draw musical instruments. All the instruments of the orchestra. He would draw them and I have these beautiful drawings. And so I never corrected him. Of course now he's 8 and it's like, well if you ever go to school again, <laughs> Some teacher's gonna want you, plus you're gonna get carpal tunnel or whatever it is <laughs> trying to write like this. So we're trying to I, break him right now. I feel I think younger people do hold pencils differently. My daughter who's about to go to college holds it like that, like just in her fist. And she's really? able to like do amazing handwriting and she draws and beautiful drawings. And I think you just whatever you get used to, you end up being able to do something really well. Like, you know, people who play violin with their feet because yeah. they don't have arms. Well, if he was still drawing like Picasso, I'd be okay with it. <laughs> but something happened on the way to heaven. No, uh, you know, it's uh, it's funny. I There's just some magical thing about four and five. And then... Mm-hmm. You know, like my my six year old still draws all the time, and but the eight year old has moved to music now, and that's what he spends all his time on, and so that's that's wonderful in its own way. But right, well, I'd like to hear more about the homeschooling, but let's hear about your second uh, tool choice for us right now. Well, it's very um, since we were just talking about my children, uh, this is <laughs> this is very uh, applicable. Um, foam earplugs, just plain old foam earplugs mm-hmm. you can get them in a big box for father's day that's when i get them and it's like <laughs> you've got like 300 pairs or whatever i am obsessed there's a guy that just died his name is murray schaefer and he was a canadian composer and he wrote a couple of books about music and music education one of the books is called ear cleaning and one of the things that schaefer said that just blew my mind. It's such a simple observation, but it's so good is that you can close your eyes, but you can't close your ears. You, Mm -hmm. you know, your body has a device for closing your eyes, Mm -hmm. but there's no device to clamp, to shut off your auditory input. 
And so mm-hmm. I just, it kind of blew my mind when I read, you know, like, wow, <laughs> yeah. that's really true. So, you know, on the one hand, I love my Sony MDRs or, or my Sony, uh, my Sony wire, uh, wireless Bluetooth, uh, noise canceling headphones. I love those, but I'm a guy who can't listen to, I can listen to jazz and classical, but I can't listen to music with words when I'm working. Mm-hmm. So the plain old earplugs, uh, they do the job. And I feel like they will turn almost any situation into a potential what uh, Joseph Campbell called a bliss station. <laughs> so, 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 so like, wait a minute, I'm going to look confused. So you, you put on words with music on your earphone in your earphones and you have earplugs so you don't hear it? No, 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 no. I, I just meant that instead of wearing noise canceling headphones, sometimes oh, I just see. put okay. in earplugs. Yeah, sorry. Okay. Um, but I do love those Sony uh, noise cancelers. I do love those, but I can't. Every once in a while, you know, you're doing a kind of work that you want to kind of not have anything going on. And okay. I just think they're just such a simple. The other thing is when I used to travel, I mean, they're a godsend in like hotel rooms and then on the planes and stuff. And so I would sleep with them. Um, I just think, I, I think I'm a guy who I really, really appreciate technology. That's just like, just does one simple thing, mm-hmm. you know, and an earplug is just bad. It's like, <laughs> it does this one thing and they're disposable and cheap, and I love them. Have you ever tried those those silicone rubber earplugs that are they're almost like a wax, and so you put them in, and they just kind of almost like melt into your ears, and it's a perfect seal. It, it could some people think it's too good, but too once good, we were yeah. we were staying in an Airbnb in Montreal, and it was like above a nightclub, and it was like so loud, and I put those things in, and it's just like cuts it out completely it was great i'm gonna have to try them i mean i when i was growing up i'm i'm really into i'm trying you know because i have a son who's really into music i have mild tinnitus and Mm -hmm. so i'm very i'm very big now on i'm like one of those old guys it's like (laughs) put earplugs in do not go to a show without earplugs you know because i played so much music when i was a kid and i wish i had so now I have this, you know, this ringing that's sort of, you know, constant now. And uh, so I, I don't know it's, but I, but I just really the, yeah, I, but, but I, I threw the earplugs on there cause I wanted to be like, well, actually I really like my Apple watch and I love my yeah. AirPods, but <laughs> everyone likes that. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I wanted to put something, you know, really basic and simple. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah, good yeah. to hear your reasons why too. Yeah. Right. So, um, your third choice is a webcam, it looks like. I'm yeah, really so, sure. okay. So my third choice, I wanted to do something high tech because I was like, well, you know, we're talking about cool tools. This thing has changed my life. So this is actually a piece of software. And the name of the software is Camo, C-A-M-O. And I think it's by a company named Reincubate. And what this software does is you run it on your iPhone and then you run it on your computer and it turns your iPhone into a webcam. And it is the best webcam I've found. I've bought a $200 Logitech, you know, Mm -hmm. fancy 4K webcam. Doesn't look anything as good as just my, I think this is like an iPhone uh, 10 maybe or something. 
mm-hmm. uh, like a you know just just an off the rack whatever iPhone you get right now, mm-hmm. and it looks so much better than any webcam I've seen. And it's that thing where it's like we're all on screen now so much, and I think the yearly license for like HD is forty bucks or something like that. And I'm obsessed, I guess, with um, I really like having things that can kind of I like situations in which you can repurpose old tech for, you know, new situations, you know, and so I wanted to include this because I'm always thinking about like my turntable, which is 15 years old now, and how you can plug that into any amp. And it still sounds great. You know, mm-hmm. I love this. Mm-hmm. Like, situ- I like modular situations. I like my scanner is 15 years old. You know, my old Epson scanner that I use to scan everything. It's, it's, That's it's cool. You know, it still works, you know? So yeah. I like this idea of like having reusing technology, you know, uh, like having modular things so you don't have to replace it. I don't mm-hmm. like stuff. The older I get, the less interested I am in things that do a bunch of different things. Like I just want something that does one <laughs> thing really well. And of course the smartphone is the opposite of that, right? It's like, yeah. it does everything uh-huh. and it'll be obsolete in two years. Uh-huh. <laughs> you have to get a new one or whatever. Yeah. So, so the way that the camo works, is it uh, going over Wi-Fi? Is, does it require a cord to uh, connect between the two? I believe the way I use it, I I stick it in airplane mode and then I use an actual lightning cable and plug it right into the computer. And that way there's no, I don't know if you can do it with Wi-Fi. That would be cool though, because what you could potentially do then is use it as like a spying device or (laughs) no, you could use it as like stick it in the backyard to look at you know sure. owls or something but the way know. you're using it is like for like a zoom thing yeah where you are for going zoom exactly and you can go in either portrait or landscape mode i think it's you can do all kinds of you can zoom in with it you can change the lighting uh-huh. you can i mean if you get a regular old ring i have a little ring light tripod with a um with an iphone attachment right. And so I just stick it on there. I turn the ring light on and it pretty much works with the default settings. But you can, uh, I think you can do the depth of field. So you could make yourself clear and the background blurry. You can do all kinds of stuff. And now you're using the outside facing camera of the phone. So you're not really seeing the screen. No, I turn it. I use the outside facing because it looks so much better. Right. Um, And so, yeah, I, I, but then I can see it on my laptop screen and I can see it on Zoom. Right, right, right. And it's really been nice. I I really. And is it uh, it a subscription or is it just a one time um, (sighs) app? I would have to look. I think it might be a license at this point. So you might have to pay every year but i do so many zoom events now that it's worth it to me um but i would have to check okay um camo camo turning your phone into the best cam webcam best webcam i've seen it looks i guess if you have one of the newer models that does portrait does it actually do the kind of um blurring in the background i think that is a beta feature Okay. On the software, but I would uh, yeah. again, I, I didn't look right before we talked, but okay. that has been a piece of software that has changed 
my pandemic, it's made it a little bit better. It made right. me look. A little oh, yeah, it does say bokeh portrait mode. Okay. Yeah. All right. So, um, well, Austin, this is great. We don't, let's see. Your fourth one um, is a little <laughs> bit larger. So tell so, us yeah. about that one. So my fourth one, I wanted to go big and I wanted to make the case for having a piano in the home. Um, I, we bought an old 49 bungalow here in Austin last October mm-hmm. and I had been without a piano for a while. I, I, I went out and bought a used piano right before my kids were born because I wanted them to live in a house with a piece of furniture you could make music on. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so, but then we moved houses a couple times. I had to get rid of one. And so when we bought this new house, the first piece of furniture I bought was there's a piano store right across Burnett Road here in Austin. I bought a used Yamaha U1, which is the most kind of like, that's like, it's, I'm trying to think, it's like a Honda or something. It, you know, it's like, it's like the Honda Accord of pianos. You know, it's just like, <laughs> it's just, I think someone else would probably be like, yeah, right. But yeah, it's like a late 90s Honda Accord of pianos. You know, it's just like a good, solid, plays lots of different stuff. I like pianos that are a little bit more dark in tone. So I'm kind of more of a Kawhi guy, but I wanted just to, this is, this is just a beautiful thing. It's, how how it's much a, would would uh, that one, uh, a used one like that cost? This one cost me four grand. You okay. could probably get one for three to four, depending okay. on the price. A brand new one will run you eleven or twelve. Okay. Um, this one, um, it's a eighty-three, same vintage as me. And what's kind of interesting, you have to be a little careful. You got to get them from like a reputable dealer. Because what I've been told is that in Japan, um, there's an aging population, of course, in Japan. So there's a lot of people unloading their pianos. And mm-hmm. so they they get them, they refurbish them, and they ship them to America. Huh. Um, and so there's... There's a, there's a little bit of controversy about the gray market or whatever with pianos, but I would like to focus less on the um, the the model, the more than just I find that having a piano in the home is just the most. It's just one of those magical things, and I don't know if y'all listen to uh, Billie Eilish at all, the the superstar mm-hmm, sure. uh, pop mm-hmm. singer. She talked a lot in some interviews about how her parents just always had a piano. I think they had a couple of pianos in the house and just how she felt like a house without a piano isn't even a home. And of course she's a musician. And But for me, as someone who's a musician, having the piano in the home has been, it's just my favorite piece of furniture in the house. So, so would you, yeah. do you like kind of wander over once a day and play a few or how how, how do you actually use it yourself? So I actually am, have my fingers on it right now because I literally sit in between my desk and the piano because my studio isn't built yet. We're building a, a studio out in the backyard. And so I actually have my office in our little music room at the front of the house. And so I will stop working. I'll turn around and I'll play some Bach. <laughs> <laughs> and um, my kids have an open invitation. They are allowed to come in here and play on the piano unless I'm doing a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so they come in here and my, my they love, um, they're learning the Mario theme. They love Nintendo mm, cool. and stuff. So they're, you know, doing all that. So that's, yeah. And it, I, I think it's, 
there's something particularly magical about pianos for little people because if you're standing up, if you're, you know, if you're like three or four feet tall and you're standing up, you walk right up to a piano and it's like a magical height for you. You know, oh, the keys are like right there in front of you. Yeah. So it's this very like accessible. I have very vivid memories of going to visit my grandmother and she had an old piano in the farmhouse and I would just just gravitated towards it because it's right there. It's like eye level, you know, and you can't help but touch it. Mm -hmm. You just want to go to it, you know, and that's what I guess it's kind of, you know, that's a nice loop back to the uh, waterproof notebook on the side of the pool. You know, you want to go to it. I like mm -hmm. tools that invite you like you, you want to use them. You know, they almost like they call to you and they make you want to work or, or in this place, yeah, we had um, kids growing up in the kitchen. We had a uh, low kind of kids uh, level easel that had butcher paper on it, just a roll oh, yeah. of butcher paper. It was like, yeah, paper. Use as much as you want. Just, just, just like yes. Just draw on it, throw it away, whatever. It's like you, there's infinite supply of paper. Please draw or paint. I we bought more big huge things of paper from costco then i mean and i tell other parents that i'm like look just let them let them go <laughs> you know right just let them go yeah so we had that in the uh, kitchen area when and they could uh and, and it's the same philosophy that you were is make it open and inviting and uh, and um abundant maybe is the word Yes. You want, you want to have abundant possibilities or opportunities. Um, I love, so yeah, the, the piano, but, but now you think that's better than having a keyboard um, <laughs> in their bedroom. I think that whatever you have is great. Uh, but if you can swing a piano, there's something, you know, you don't have to turn it on. Yeah. You do have to tune it. So, you know, uh, we do have an electric keyboard, though, too. So we've got all kinds of stuff around here. But I think anything is great. Any musical instrument that you can have at the ready that is available and is not off limits. I, you know, I my parents didn't play music, so I had to beg for to get my instruments, you know. And so I, I just think that Whatever you want your kids to do, having it around and having it available, you know, in some ways, an old instrument is just like having all that butcher paper, right? You know, it's like, here it is. Use it. Yeah. So um, tell us about your recent projects and um, what you're up to and um, where people can hear more about what you are doing. I I would love to. So I am in this weird... We are actually... I cannot believe this, but we are in the process of finalizing the 10th anniversary of Steel Like an Artist, which oh I gosh. cannot believe. Oh, my God. That seems uh, new. <laughs> I know. And so, I mean, Steel Like an Artist is just a little bit older than my... Uh, Steel Like an Artist came out in March, and my first son was born in October. So, it's it's very... It's a weird time for me. Um, thinking about this, but yeah, so there's going to be a 10th anniversary. It's finally going to be in hardcover, mm. which is really fun. That'll come out in March next mm -hmm. year. Nice. Um, and will it have anything new or different in it? It has, you know, this is what the afterword is about. Does a book still belong to you 10 years later when it's found this readership? 
I feel very strongly that it's not even my book anymore, that it's become everyone else's book. And so it was an interesting, um, I had fun writing the afterword. Uh, so the afterword is really what's new and the format. Um, but it's kind of the same. There's not a lot that's changed in it. And that's sort of what I write the afterword about is just about how strange it is to have a piece of work go out in the world and have a life of its own and how it's re- really the readers that make a book that, you know, uh, uh, an author sort of brings a book into the world, but a reader really gives it whatever life it's going to have. And so that's what I was that's been a fun meditation for me. Um, we just put out last year, we did the trilogy, which is my book, Steal Like an Artist, the sequel, Show Your Work, and the last one, Keep Going. So it's the black book, the yellow book, and the blue book. Um, we did those in an audio book last year. And that was really tricky because they're such visual books. And mm-hmm. I'm such a visual guy. So trying to get those all together in... Um, in an audiobook was interesting. So yeah, it would be in a, a challenge. So w- what did you do when you came to things that were visual? Did you point people to uh, the you know go, go look at it or did you come up with an alternative? Well, we basically subtracted. Okay. It was it was basically a subtraction thing. There sure. were a few things that I rewrote to be prose, but mm-hmm. it was funny how much the, I actually felt kind of weird about it. The, the illustrations in the books almost are like accompaniment in a weird mm-hmm. way. Mm-hmm. So you still get the melody and the, the flow without them. It's just a different experience. So yeah, it was weird. I mean, we did a couple of things where I would like translate an illustration into prose, but mostly we cut. Mm-hmm. And, and so that was, that was interesting. Um, and so that was a fun project. Of course, the thing that's always ongoing with me that people seem to really like is my weekly newsletter. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been doing that since 2013, I think now that newsletters are the big deal, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, um, and that's my favorite thing I do online. So every Friday cool. I, yeah, every Friday I send out a list of 10 things I think are worth sharing. And it's stuff I'm reading, stuff I'm looking at, stuff I'm listening to, watching, stuff I've written. And so I do that every week. And that's free. Mm-hmm. And it goes out to a pretty significant amount of people now. Yeah, and I love your newsletter. Yeah, I, I do you. too. You know, and um, you know, Mark and I, we do a weekly, the weekly newsletter, which have six items, two from each of us. And I always pat myself on the bat after doing two every week. And <laughs> is this recommendo? Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. I love recommendo. And, and doing 10 every week is like, Oh my gosh, that's that sounds like a job. Oh, a it full-time is. Job. It's silly. It's silly. I mean, there's part of me that's like, you know, are you still doing this? But it is kind of a job and it, but it's weird. It's become my ritual. It's like my weekly ritual uh-huh. of looking back and like figuring out yeah. where I've been and what I've done and stuff. And mm-hmm. So I can't let go of it. I uh, Do you ever go back to them yourself? Some of the old ones. If I need. If you're researching year, something. Yeah. Every year I go back and I look at what I do. I'm a list maker. So I do a top hundred every year uh-huh. <laughs> where I do like, here were my favorite 
hundred things this year, and they can be oh, like I'm, watching. I've missed miss those. Where, where yeah. do you release the top hundred? Where, where um, do they go? The first of the year, they come. Oh, you mean the newsletter at the the weekly? So, yeah, it'll be like the first newsletter of the year, and then they all live on my blog. So if you just type top 100 okay. into austincleon.com, you'll right. find them all. Cool. And they're like diaries, you know? They're they're uh and they're everything from like something my kid said to like watching owls out in the backyard to watching the white lotus or whatever you know whatever it is you know <laughs> so it's like a real those end up being my favorite portrait of my year um and i've actually had people write to me and say you know i started you've inspired me to start doing this and it's like my favorite thing it's like my way of marking the year and i'm a guy who i've become really obsessed with cyclical time and going back to these yeah. i feel like kevin i feel like you'll you'll appreciate like i i know from what you've written that you know, I, a big struggle of my life is to get back into that, like the notion of cyclical time and returns and seasons and cycles. And I feel like doing the yearly, you know, lists and, and the weekly to a certain extent, I mean, a week is weird because it's so arbitrary. It's not really connected to anything natural. Right. Um, it, is a, I, it is weird if you think about yeah. where the – because there's no seasonal climate, geological, yeah. or biological reason for a week. No, like months have the moon yeah, cycles. have the moon, right. And days Seasons. are, you know. Yeah. But the days. week has no real biological or natural connection. Mm -hmm. So it's strange to do something weekly. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. So that's like sort of the man, the man-made thing, I guess. But then yeah. you know, so I, the sun I, is a different. I don't thing. have very many regrets in my life, but the one little tiny regret is that we didn't, as a family, do more rituals with the kids. Rituals by things that we just did on repeat for the sake of doing them, and because they have become so large in the kids lives and their memories and, and their everything so, you know the few little ones we had you know pancakes every sunday morning without fail yep. were like they're like touchstones they've become these huge things that they kind of come back to and find comfort in and just thinking and remembering them even if we're not doing them now so they're not here but doing more of those kinds of things little kind of family rituals I just, I, I really w missed doing more of those and we should have done more. And I would encourage anybody to do more if they have kids. We, and the more arbitrary, the better. I yes, think. exactly. Like, you know, right, right. we have Friday. So we're recording this on Friday night. It is Friday night pizza night. <laughs> uh, you know, we have spaghetti Monday, you know, like we're, we're a big, my wife's part Italian. So we're big, like <laughs> we're, we're about the meals around here, but um, pizza night's funny. Cause on Twitter, I'll often post like pizza night and I'll post a picture. And if you search, uh, I love using Twitter's search function now that it actually does something. So you can type in pizza night from Austin Cleon. You can see every time I've tweeted pizza night. <laughs> That's and so you, cool. If you go back far enough, it changes like the, 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 you know, the, the, the setting changes, what we're watching changes you know, so it's almost, I, I almost have, have, I love the ritual, but I also try to take a picture when we're doing pizza night yeah, of like uh -huh. what we're watching 
you know, because uh-huh. I know like right now it's like Paddington 2 and in a couple <laughs> years it'll be Jurassic Park, you know, and it's like you'll, you'll have this marker of like how the family life has changed. But right, I right, deeply right. believe in rituals and the more arbitrary the yes, better. Pizza night absolutely. is good enough. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. Like the little things you do, you know, whatever day it is a year, eight, eight day, whatever. It's, it's the, the, I think you're right. You, you make them all about the process and it's like, it's like Burning Man. Burning Man was always unabashedly that we're doing, we're burning them in this year so that we can burn it next year. Yeah. And, I like that. Yeah. People that forget that, genius. right? It's like the yeah. Christmas tree in a sense. Like yeah, we, exactly. We, take, we cut this Christmas tree down and it's going to die and next year we'll get a new one. You know, yeah. It's like, yeah. yeah I, like I love that now. And I, th- I think that's my favorite thing about having a family is I like feeling like I'm in a gang. You know, <laughs> I like having a little gang. <laughs> And it's fun. I've never heard that is so fantastically great. <laughs> what a way to end this podcast, which we unfortunately have to do. But thank you, <laughs> Austin, for a fabulous set of uh, cool tools and a conversation. We could go on for hours, and I hope that we can um, reconnect again soon. This is my pleasure. Thank you both. Hey, everybody. It's your host, Mark. And I wanted to thank you for listening to The Cool Tools Show. And I also wanted to let you know that we've got a lot more going on at Cool Tools than just this podcast. We also have the Cool Tools website, which has a new tool review every day. And you can get there by going to cool-tools.org. We also have four different newsletters that you can subscribe to. And you can subscribe to those from the Cool Tools page. We have this podcast that you're listening to right now. We also have a YouTube channel where we review tools. Check that out. YouTube channel out by going to youtube.com slash cool tools. And one of the things I'd like to ask you is if you're really enjoying everything that we are producing, go to our Patreon page and support us there. You can sign up and give us as little as $1 a month. And that would mean a lot to us. The money that we get from Patreon goes towards a lot of things. We transcribe our podcast interviews so that you can read them online We pay for editing of our podcasts and for our videos. We pay our contributors. We have video production costs. We have equipment costs. We have hosting costs. And the money you give us through Patreon also goes to support Cool Tools Lab. Anything you give is a huge help. And one of the things that we do is if you are a contributor to Patreon, we'll give you a shout out on air. And so I have a few people here to thank this week. Mark Lyonage. Micah Gates, Monty Zukowski, Patrick James McNally, Robert Cohen, Scott, Spence Lloyd, Steve Avery, Steve Golden, Steve Levine, Tom Hess, William Phillips, Aaron Nipper, Durab Patel, Glenn Mercer, Jay Walker, Jeff Bonner, Ryan Jarrell, Pat Daly, Patrick Kennedy, Troy Wallet, Mike Camerate, Nicole Harkin, Tim Youssef, Scott Reed. Thanks all of you for supporting Cool Tools. And if you would like to have a shout out, go over to the Patreon page and sign up. And thanks for listening to the Cool Tools podcast. We'll see you next week.